latest courses and more podcasts. I'm Miri Sicklands, Knowledge Development Lawyer in the Commercial Real Estate Team. Continuing on the logistics theme from our previous podcast, I'm delighted to be joined today by Jeff Wilson, Director at Rembridge, one of the UK's leading property development and investment companies with particular expertise in the sector. And alongside Jeff is commercial real estate partner Vicky Towers, who's worked with Rembridge on a long-standing basis. And as Vicky reminded me earlier this week, she's celebrating 14 years at Forster's. Thanks for joining me. So I thought it would be appropriate to kick off by asking you to give us a brief history of Rembridge, Jeff, and then and then maybe talk about the sort of enduring relationship with Forster's. Yeah, sure. So um so Rembridge was founded in 1993 by Peter Jarman, um, Tim Holmes, and they came together with Ray Palmer uh, at the time. I think the story goes that um, Peter and Tim put an advert in the EG as a new property company looking for funding. And I think Ray had recently sold his share of Lambert Smithampton and they came together, uh, Rembridge was formed, and uh, Palmer Capital was formed, and and really, I guess they just sort of started small funded developments on a case by case basis, and then after I don't know maybe ten ten years or so of Rembridge, the first larger funds by, were raised by Palmer Capital, which gave Rembridge a bit more firepower to do not necessarily bigger deals, but probably more deals and and perhaps more speculative deals rather than occupier led deals. I joined in 2007, so 13 years this summer, and um, I think Ben joined in about 2004, and Ben is the um, chief executive. So there's a long history of people being at Rembridge for a long time, probably similar to Forsters, actually. And yeah. I think Rembridge and Forsters have worked together for... Well for, over 20 years, it must be, yeah, I think, because yeah. it predates, predates me joining... Eugene uh, used to do some work for them, um, and Smita. Edwards is client partner, of course, and has worked with Ben for a long time. And then, as you mentioned, Mary, I joined in 2006 and then started working with Jeff in 2007. And then he hasn't been able to really get rid of me since then, to be honest. So, <laughs> is it Stockholm syndrome, Jeff? I think so. <laughs> I was thinking ahead of this uh, podcast that some of the first deals we worked on together and. Um, yeah. I guess we both joined respectively sort of just before the financial crisis and then worked on deals coming out of the financial crisis. And um, we had some pretty interesting early deals to work on when everything was quite difficult for a few years. Uh, it, was a, it was a real baptism of fire for both of us, I think. It really was. I've got a couple that spring to mind and you doing your site visits and coming back, having had some various encounters with people on site and us trying to work through exactly how we were going to do the deals and all the ins and outs. It was good, good fun, stuff. good learning yeah. experience as well. So Jeff, can you give us a sort of overview of what the business model is that Rembridge operate on, why you operate on that basis and why you think it's successful? Yeah, I guess there's not really a sort of set business model, but what we try to do is, uh, I mean, we always work by the mantra of um, work hard, have fun and don't let people down. And whilst that's not necessarily a business model, it is the way we approach our business. And I think it's the reason why people stay at Rembridge for a long time. And it's probably the reason why we, we have so much repeat business with people. 
So, so with other companies, we've just talked about how long we've worked with Forsters and we've got similar relationships with architects we've worked with for years, um, engineers, all of the, um, all of the key practices that, that help us do what we do. And I think the other thing that we quite often talk about is doing the right thing um, rather than doing necessarily the most commercial thing. And again, that is a sort of key part of our business model. And the, the, from a sort of commercial business perspective, a lot of what we do is spec development to trade. And in some ways, that's the sort of more boring detail of, of our business model. But actually, the model is try to be normal and try to be sort of quite fun to work with and then hope that you build relationships with people that just endure. Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, from my perspective, working with you, obviously, you know, I see those relationships, not only our own, but the ones you have with consultants, contractors and the rest of the team. And the word that sort of sprang to mind when I was sort of reflecting on this was how collaborative you are with all of that and also with those that you JV with and the team as a whole. And also in terms of occupied demands, invested demands, you're just always looking to uh, improve and work with everyone in a really collaborative way. And I think that really comes through and as a, how successful you are as an indictment of that. That kind of leads us on quite nicely to how you think the business has evolved over your time at Renbridge. And I guess also, you know, doing a bit of future gazing, how you think it's going to further involve. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess taking first how the business has, has evolved. I mean, one of the key things that we did in sort of 2009, I think, was, was to look much harder at doing more in the southeast than in London. So Rembridge was, I probably should have said earlier, but Rembridge was established in Cambridge and was probably well known to begin with for doing deals in, in Cambridge and in East Anglia. And we looked quite hard coming out of um, 2008, 2009 at, at doing more in the southeast and more in London. And uh, that's something that I've really pushed hard to do over the last 10 years. And I think that that's been an effective way to evolve. And through that same period, we've done more and more warehouse development. Um, so we are a multi-sector developer and we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that. But we always think quite carefully about how the real estate world is evolving. And it was clear that warehouse occupation and warehouse development would become more and more important so we have evolved with that and um, certainly a larger proportion of what we do now is warehouse development yeah i think that's exactly as you say because i mean you met, we mentioned some of the old deals we did way back and they weren't logistics focused or industrial um you know they had retail didn't they office bit of resi bit of everything so the way you've adapted and sort of focused on logistics for now and warehousing is you know evident and reflective of the market isn't it really and where it's going yeah and i think probably one of the first spec warehouse deals we worked on together vicky was circular point in chingford yes um, that was a really good start to our london warehouse development and and in some ways became a bit of a model for us um where we we bought a four-acre site funded by what was called the Palmer Capital Development Fund at the time. Um, we spec-built three warehouse units and seven trade units. We pre-let a couple and we ended up forward selling that to BlackRock at the time. Yeah. And that, that became a really 
good benchmark to work to. Uh, yeah. And we've done quite a few since with, with similarities to that. And I think you've also, haven't you, you've sort of built on sort of an area, if you like. So, so you'd, there's one site, you know, you'd find a site and then around the locality, find other sites. And then you can roll out that model, which, you know, is a, a success or has been to date. And that's, you know, that's proven successful as well, hasn't it? Yeah, there's a few good examples actually down in Belvedere where um, where it comes back to our, our sort of business model of doing the right thing and and relationships where we've managed to do multiple deals in, in the same area because we've got to know our neighbours effectively. And the first one we did was um, a scheme we ended up calling uh, Graviton. And I remember our first site visit with you, Vicky, and you were wearing the most inappropriate shoes <laughs> I've ever Thanks, on a site visit. They were, I remember the fund manager at Farmer looking at me just saying, what on earth are you doing? And you were laughing your head <laughs> off in the background. <laughs> I hadn't fully appreciated what the site was going to look like, Jeff, in fairness. Needless to say, there was, wasn't there a horse running around when we got there, just to give yeah. an idea of the, the type of site. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding me of that one. Pleasure. Lesson learnt though, hey, I bet you've now got a set of sort of pink studded Diamante Hunter Wellies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A silver, <laughs> but yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, what's going to be high on the agenda of the sort of logistics occupiers of the future, do you think? Yeah, it's, um, it's something we constantly challenge ourselves to make sure we understand our occupiers, future occupiers. And I, I sort of touched on our part of our business model is spec development in the southeast. And then there's an interesting sort of contrast between spec development where we're constantly seeking to give our future occupier the most flexibility we possibly can because we don't know who they're going to be versus the sort of the technology that we know that the modern logistics occupier needs. So there's two strands, really. There's there's the. There's the spec development where you want to make sure you're building highly sustainable, highly flexible uh, warehouse space. And I think sustainability is, is, is probably the most in, important evolutionary aspect of our specification. I've been on a call just this morning, actually going through all of the sustainability items on a scheme we're hoping to start on quite soon, which we went to planning committee on um, uh, recently. So future proofing in that regard is 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 hugely important and then separately if you're working with an occupier from the start yeah there's absolutely far more technology involved because you know you're, you're dealing with their fit out and their specific occupation day one um so there is a big contrast actually between the two for us yeah and i suppose jeff just going back to your point where it's on the spec side you know you want to ensure don't you for any tenant that the costs are in terms of maintenance uh, energy, all that are as low as possible for the occupier because um, that's what they're seeing more and more. It's no longer the add-on, it's, it's integral, isn't it, to the, to the end product? Yeah, completely, yeah. And it's, re it's really interesting just how important it is to the end investor as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in some ways, from a spec development point of view, the end investor is driving the sustainability agenda even harder than the occupier. And we need to be ahead of that. So if we're planning on a scheme that, you know, say we're going in for planning on something, we've got to go through the determination period, go out to tender, then build it. We, we need to ensure that we're very alive to 
what's going to be required in 12 to 18 months time as well yeah i think that's right and you know these the green funds that are coming in where a certain level of sustainability and you know well-being as well has to be achieved which we're seeing more and more it's interesting and it's it's it'll be fantastic when we sort of see it coming through uh, in yeah. the developments Yes, just sort of a couple of examples. And uh, we are sort of Bream Excellent, a standard on our warehouse schemes now. And then within within Bream Excellent, there are areas where rather than Bream being a a sort of box ticking point acquiring exercise, we're trying to make sure that we understand what's actually useful as well within that. So electric vehicle charging points is one sort of item of detail that rather than just hitting what you need to hit to to get your brand points and to satisfy the planners we're trying to make sure that we're future proofing to enable an occupier with a hundred percent electric vehicle fleet to be able to come in and not have to sort of retrofit or dig up the yard for example so little things like that are, are really high on our agenda at the moment yeah picking up on vicky's well-being point that's another area that we we spend a lot of time working on and 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 thinking about because you you naturally want your scheme to be as efficient in the use of land as it can be but we know that our end occupiers certainly in 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 areas where there's a big competition for labor the staff well-being is is so high on their agenda um i've heard examples in milton Keynes where because john lewis have got quite a high warehouse presence there and and their staff well-being attention to detail is so high um, it's actually sort of driven the market to to do better so we now look at trying to find spaces within our schemes where we can put in a outside space green space um, that doesn't interfere with yards and parking so we've got a scheme that Forster's work on with us in Bedford called uh, Fuse Wixom's we've we've effectively got a park within the scheme where um, anyone who works there it's, it's it's sort of common parts rather than demise to anyone in particular and you could just go and sort of hang out there at lunchtime um, and we're trying to make sure that our schemes have the ability for staff to either eat outside congregate outside uh, interact with any local uh, parkland or, or or lakeland so we've, we've got a new scheme in dartford and and really important part of the design is working out how the sort of local footpaths connect in and actually one of them comes through our scheme and we've designed it so that it doesn't interfere with yards and parking so it's completely safe for people to to basically walk through our scheme um so yeah it's a it's a, it's a really good point and um and another one that's becoming more and more important what sort of measures can you take internally to assist on that well-being front so the obvious one for us is is um, is natural light in the warehouse. So we tend to specify quite high levels of roof lights within the warehouse, and we quite often get comments on our schemes when they're finished, um, when we take occupiers round, just how much natural light there is in there. So um, the warehouse space is a, an important area to do it. The office space we try to ensure that it's designed in a way that it's got as much access to outside light as possible so we, the floor plates aren't too deep so it's the same disciplines that you'd expect if you were designing an office building but not sort of put in the back of your mind because it's a warehouse so so the office will feel like a really light airy office with high ceilings and sometimes you're looking at 
you're trying to sort of challenge the team to make sure we're not spending too much on on a on a development and and one of a suggestion from a qs might be well is your floor to ceiling height too high and we tend to say no that that's the way it's got to be so I, I think i think the areas where your occupier is naturally going to spend the greatest amount of their time they need they just need that attention to detail so just to finish up jeff can i just ask you and i'm sure these are all going to involve vicky uh, some of your personal highlights <laughs> um, since you joined Rembridge, as you mentioned in 2007. Yeah, some do. Some do involve Vicky, actually. The, the, um, <laughs> I hadn't thought before this of the shoes in uh, Belvedere, but that, that, that's probably in the top 10. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, there, there's sort of there's, there's deal highlights and um, and I guess you know when when you you do what we do you you really you actually enjoy the the thrill of of buying something the thrill of um developing something and then and and letting it and selling it and we've done some great things together uh with Forsters the ones that spring to mind and probably maybe the most uh recent one was um we built out a scheme in Dartford funded by Baclou who are a, are another really a valuable partner to us and 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 forces and Rembridge do lots of um, repeat work with Buclew and um, and we bought a site close to the uh, to the Dartford Bridge um, which we spec built and ended up letting during construction to Network Rail and selling to an institution to, to to ASI and I think everyone at the end of that process felt like they'd very happily do it all again with with each other yeah, um, absolutely. It, it, it's a good... it did have its trials, didn't it, Jeff? But, um, yeah. but that's what made it. And like you say, on reflection, it's those sorts of things that um, get you through it and mean you'd be more than, well, it'd be excellent to do something like that again. So that, I think that, that type of um, situation where you kind of come out of the process and you've, you've really you've got to know the people you've worked with, um, you've kind of built up a bit of a friendship with them through the process and you've kind of You've been through something quite, you know, challenging at times, but but only because you all want to get through it, and then and and if you all sort of like each other at the end, um, so much the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that one deal of the year, didn't it, Jeff? At the oh, industrial agent society. Thanks for raising that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it it did win an award. Yeah, I I was thinking the other day of um, do you remember we bought and sold a few freehold sites in um, in Oxford where. We had identified Oxford as a as a location where we probably almost try and operate in any sector because it's such a strong city, parallels with Cambridge, which we understand really well. And so we, we ended up buying uh, an office building uh, in the middle of Oxford that we ended up selling to Premier Inn. And we bought a car dealership um, on the way into Oxford, which we ended up selling to um, one of the Oxford colleges. And I look back on those processes with real fondness because you meet such interesting characters operating in a city like Oxford or Cambridge, quite challenging characters and intellectual uh, people that, you know, expect you to really understand what you're doing. So both of those were, were really enjoyable processes and Forsters were, I'm not just saying this for your benefit, but Forsters were absolutely excellent, both of those. 
Thanks both so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting and a lot of fun as well. If listeners would like to hear any of our other podcasts, you can check them out on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to know more about Rembridge, their website is rembridge.co.uk. If you'd like more news and views from Forsters, head over to forsters.co.uk. And we're also on the usual social media channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And until next time, goodbye. More Than Law podcast is for general information only and should not be considered to be professional advice. Forsters LLP accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct or consequential loss arising from the use of, reliance on or reference to this podcast. Forsters LLP makes no warranty or representation as to the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast. The More Than Law podcast and all copyright in it is the property of Forsters LLP and it should not be used, reproduced or quoted, whether in whole or part, without Forsters LLP's prior written consent.